Good morning. You know, when you uh, leave the service in just a little bit, we have uh, something for you, a candle, to remind you to light your world. It's a dark place in which we live much of the time, and we want everybody to be reminded that what Christ has done for us enables us to light our world. And that song was a great reminder of that. And you know, uh, your home is a lighthouse. Your apartment is a lighthouse. Your car is a lighthouse. Your yard is a lighthouse. The park down from your home is a lighthouse. You know, if you live in a tent, it's your lighthouse. So let's, you know, recognize that what we have is our lighthouse to light our world. Now, if some of you uh, are here for the first time and you don't know me, I'm one of the ushers, you know, that are out there on the seat. You know, Susan and I had an awesome time. You know what is awesome? Having a chance to meet everybody before instead of just after the service. And uh, we will be there often. You know, it was just so much fun. And if you snuck in the back door, you have no clue what I'm talking about. I know. But we were out on the front. And it was just a blast to see you guys. I tried to shake everybody's hand, hug everybody's neck. I probably missed a few in the midst of that. But I tried to. I tried to squeak the little kids' ear. You, you ever do that? You're reaching out little kids and stuff like that? My microphone cord is tangled around my pocket here somehow or another. Why is I doing that? But you grab somebody's ear and you go like that. Kids love it. Anyhow, what I want to uh, invite you guys to do as well, and I've already invited the worship team, you know, as we're leading up to Easter, that we're going to see the worship team out there ushering sometimes. Is that cool? All right? You're going, I don't know about this, you know. Imagine you, you parked across the street, you got three children and a stroller and an umbrella and a this and a that, and an usher comes up and helps you with your kids and walks you across the street and gives you an umbrella when it's raining, and you come in, it's your first time ever here. They kind of let you know where the restrooms and the youth ministries and all that is, and then they come up on the stage and they lead worship. It's like, wow, this is awesome. We are a family, and what I want to do, I want to invite every one of you. I'd like to see every member of Faith Living Church be out on the sidewalks and in the parking lot over there, high-fiving and meeting people and greeting people as they're coming to church. That's, that's awesome. It is fun, you know. I, I could go home right now and feel like we accomplished what I wanted to do, you know. But it, it was a blast, and it's only going to get warmer from this point on, probably, you know, because springtime is coming. Um, Lord, we just lift up people in our community who has needs. That uh, Sirene uh, reminds us that so many people are in need. And maybe somebody's in need that maybe we know them. We ask that you'd help them, and especially those who are responding, give them wisdom, Lord, to do what they need to do, and in both cases, draw them unto yourself. In Jesus' name, we ask. Amen and amen. Well, um, Susan and I had uh, gone up to Maine, just to give you a little quick note, last two weeks I wasn't here, and went up to Maine, Mike and uh, Lisa Zulo, part of our church, they became a pastor, you know why he was here, he asked me, he said, you know, I, I really, feel I God wants me to become a pastor, what should I do? That day we signed him up for Super Church. <laughs> I'm serious though, if you can't minister to a kid, it's very doubtful you can minister to an adult. Because all we are is kids in bigger bodies. Is that right? That's the truth of it. But they're doing well. And then we left there. We went down to Camp Lejeune. Our son, uh, Benjamin, is a Marine. He just got married in the, the last day or two of uh, December. And uh, he will be deployed for about six months. You know, and he's got another month of training ahead of that that he'll be inaccessible to. And he called us up and he said, Dad, why don't you all come down and visit us? What do you do when your kid says, come down and visit, and you know they're going to other countries? Listen, you go, right? We had an awesome time with uh, Benjamin and, and Brittany. We really did. Um, 
What I want to talk about is strategic hospitality. Now, you probably never ever saw those words together. I surely had not. But it fits. Strategic hospitality. The word strategic means tactical. You go, all right, come on now. It's got to be something better to describe it. But, you know, strategic, it sounds, tactical sounds kind of military, doesn't it? It's like, what is this all about? Strategic means tactical. It means calculated. Strategic. It, it, it means premeditated, you know. Hospitality that's been premeditated. We can understand that where you premeditate how to be hospitable this week. Hospitality means delivered. It's not just something that accidentally happened. Hospitality was delivered. It was on purpose. It was planned. Strategic hospitality is planned. Strategic hospitality is intentional. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, this is not just, well, once a year, I, I show hospitality, you know? And uh, hospitality can be seen in many different ways, you know? It can, it can be the fact that uh, you invite somebody over, you sit down at uh, your, your chair, your table, you have a cup of juice or some soup or something or another, you have something to eat. And just so you know, this looks really fancy up here. But it's paper products. It's all paper, you know. You don't have to spend a lot of money to be hospitable. Did you know that? You know, if, if you take a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and make sure the bread is gluten-free, then anybody who comes across your path, you can break it in half and share it with them. I'm, I'm gluten-free, so don't forget that, you know. All right? And I like peanut butter and jelly also. But hospitality is, is one of the closest things to the heart of God. The two commandments says, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two commandments, all the other ten are automatically taken care of. You know, it's the heart of God to be hospitable. And strategic hospitality means you plan on it. You plan to be hospitable. You know, it's like sometime this day, you know, you might go to a little grocery shop or get a little something special, and you're looking for an opportunity to show hospitality this coming week. Remember, it's gluten-free, okay? All right. Um, oh, no, let me forget this. You remember at um, Thanksgiving time, we gave you a little picture. It had like a, a maple leaf on it. We asked you to put different people's names on it. And off, well... As we're thinking about Easter, Resurrection Weekend, we have you this awesome little cross here. And there's a scripture on the front that says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. And I would like you, uh, the ushers will give you these at the door when you leave. To put your name, it says your name right there in the middle. And then there's one, two, three, four places to put a family's name or an individual's name who you make a commitment to to pray for every day between now and Easter. And uh, maybe you invite them to come and join you at one of the four Easter services we have. Plus, we have the fifth one where people like to come and uh, worship the Lord as the sun's rising on Easter morning. So we have a little sunrise service, and then we have four teaching services and breakfasts. But if you be praying, and this is the most important part, you can invite a friend to come to Easter with you, and but if you don't pray for them, you didn't really accomplish as much as you could have. You pray for them. Just pray for their needs. Pray for God to help them and to strengthen them. And if they don't know Christ already, pray that their heart will be tender toward Christ. And you can be the conduit that God uses to touch their lives, to come to know him in a real and a personal way. So I want to encourage you to take this and uh, put, you know, your your friends' names on that and pray for them every day. You may take them out for breakfast. You may show hospitality, take them out for lunch, or just come over, watch a ball game, or go to the park or something. But reaching out to people that you know, or even a stranger. The New Testament, I mean, the Old Testament talks a lot about, you know, God reached out to us and encourages others to reach out to strangers. 
it's important to reach out to strangers. It really is. But if you pray for them, it will make a world of difference. And if you can impact another life, another family, you know, and they come to know Christ, you had a massive part of that. It's so huge. It's so important. So please take that and be praying for it, and I will be praying for them also uh, as we are preparing for our Easter resurrection services. What a wonderful time. You know, there's three services that people will try to get to in a year's time. They don't do everything else. Christmas, Easter, and more important than all of them, it's Mother's Day, you know. Mama ain't going to be happy. Even if she's looking at us from above, it's like, you better go to church on Mama's Day, you know. So uh, great time to reach out and invite somebody to join you and to come. You know, really, really important. So, uh, and there's some little uh, flyers, and we have some more that's coming. Uh, once we have the logo of the uh, flyer that we're going to be mailing out to our community, it just says Easter service, join us. It tells the times that they are and the address and all. So please pick those up along with your candle and light your world. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, it says this. It says, the Holy Spirit and the bride. Now, who's the bride? It's us. And the church ain't no building. The church is the people. And it says, the Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, the true Christians, say, come. So Christ says it through his spirit, and he gives it to us to say, come. The Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, the true Christians say, come, exclamation mark, and let him who is listening say, come. And let everyone come who is thirsty, who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed. Does your soul ever need to be refreshed? I tell you what, my soul was refreshed just by shaking your hand, hugging your neck, uh, speaking a few words out there on the sidewalk. It refreshed my soul. Genuinely did. But it says, say, come to uh, who are, is thirsty, who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed supported and strengthened and whoever earnestly desires to do it let him come take appropriate and drink the water of life without cost freely i'm telling you the world has been looking for the fountain of youth and there is a fountain of youth where we will never be old or sick or hurt or any anxious again because of what christ jesus has done as we drink of that living water one day we'll put off these old bodies and put on a brand new one. But it comes by a relationship with Jesus. And we're not offering religion to nobody. We're offering people to get to know Jesus as their friend, as their Savior, as their Lord. I was reading uh, this past week, and I came across this article. And it tells about this a story of a pastor who felt that their church was a a little bit stuffy. That's what, the way he describes it. And then they could use a bit of friendliness. So one Sunday he announced that the following Sunday they were going to start a custom of shaking hands and, you know, greeting each other. So at the close of the service, a man turned around to a lady behind and said, Good morning. And she looked at him with shock at his boldness and she said, I beg your pardon? That friendliness thing, that friendliness business doesn't start until next Sunday. <laughs> you're not that kind of people, are you? No, you're not. You're awesome. You're friendly. You're hospitable. You know, and I want to challenge you. Let's never let ourselves become like that. But let us be hospitable. It's the thing that's the dearest to the heart of Almighty God. Hospitality was created by God to remind us to love our neighbor as ourself. And you can demonstrate that love in all kinds of ways. To all who need comfort, to all who want friendship, to those who desire acceptance, to all who want love, to those who sin and need a Savior, 
whosoever will, come. And I say that of FLC, Faith Living Church, that we open our hearts and we open our arms, we open our doors to whosoever will, come. Come and join us. You know, get to know a little bit about Christ, about the love of God for you, his purposes and his plans for you. And I can tell you, Jeremiah tells us all about it. God says, the plans I have for you are good and not evil to give you hope and to give you a future. That's God's plans for you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't have a big stick up there. He just loves you, wants to forgive you. He wants us to move forward. Old Bill was hired to sweep the streets in a small town in the hills. And once a week, the street sweeper came by with his broom. And Bill was a friendly old fella. And Miss Gidding on the corner got into the habit all that summer of taking Bill <clears throat> a glass of lemonade and a slice of cake. He thanked her, <clears throat> excuse me, shyly, and that was all. But one evening there came a knock at the back door of Miss Gilding, uh, Giddings, and Bill was there with a sack of peaches in one hand and a handful of roasting ears of corn in the other. He seemed embarrassed as he said, I brought you these, ma'am, for your kindness. Oh, you shouldn't have, Bill, exclaimed Miss Gidding. It was nothing. And then the street sweeper said an odd thing. Well, no, he agreed. Maybe it wasn't much, really, ma'am. But it was more than anyone else ever did for me. And we think about it for a moment. Maybe holding a door so somebody can get in ahead of you. Maybe it's giving somebody a smile. Maybe it's just a glass of lemonade or a slice of cake. You don't know how big of a deal that is to some people if they've not had very much kindness shown them in their life. But having the heart of hospitality allows the glow of Jesus Christ to radiate through us and touch another soul. So I cannot challenge you enough to become strategic, tactical, where you premeditate and you plan intentionally to show hospitality to someone, some way, somehow. And we can do that every day, to be honest with you. I encourage you that you've got something that you can give away hundreds of times and it never depreciates what you have. And that's a smile. Does a smile make a difference to you? Somebody looks at you and smiles real big? Let's try it one time. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of contagious, you know, and it lifts some people's day. It really does. So let me see here. Where was I at? Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Let your love be sincere. A real thing. You know, not pretend, but let your love be sincere. A real thing. Hate what is evil. Loathe all ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness. But hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. That's talking about a pure and a holy love. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Do you all address God as Father? Our Father, which art in heaven. If we got the same Father, that means we're family. We're brothers and sisters. It says, love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence. Precedence means putting other people first. It's getting your priorities right, the way God wants us some. To, to be, to love others as you love yourself. And it says, love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Some people get a kick out of degrading or humiliating or cutting people down. The Bible says honor. That's hospitality, honoring one another. Verse 11 says, never lag in seal and in earnest endeavor you know intense heartfelt endeavor be a glow 
Oh, I like that. Be a glow. Be a glow and, and burning. Be a glow, you know. Light your world. Be a glow and burning with the Spirit serving the Lord. Rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Prayer makes a difference. It genuinely does. The enemy of our soul will say, ah, yeah, it didn't really make no difference. You pray. Now I'm telling you, it makes a difference. I hear on a regular basis the, the answers of prayers that people come and tell me what God did. They brag on God a little bit of what he's done for them. He says, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessity of the saints. Now, if you're Bible, you know, uh, smart at all, we understand that 10% uh, of what we have is God's. It belongs to him. And it's not even a gift when you give God a tithe to him. But he talks about an offering that's beyond that. And then this is what I'm talking about. This verse here says, contribute to the needs of God's people. I really believe that we need to strategically contribute to the needs of God's people. To where you say, well, I got an extra $10 this week, and I'm looking for an opportunity to show hospitality with it. You're in the grocery store, and there's a little kid in line picking up a few things for his mama, and he's a few dollars short. And you, you go, you know, I got that. I'll take care of that for you. You know, whatever it might be, strategically planning to be a blessing to someone else without even being asked to do so. It says, contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessity of the saints. And then it says, pursue the, what's that word? The practice of hospitality. You understand pursue? Just go watch a football game. They throw that ball way out yonder, everybody's pursuing it. Everybody wants it. They'll step on top of each other, knock people down. They want to get that ball. That's pursue. And he says, pursue the practice of hospitality. Let me ask you a question. What will happen if you practice something? You get better at it. So let's strategically get better at hospitality. Even if it's just breaking a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in half. Remember, gluten-free bread there, you know. Because uh, you're considering me in that, you know. And you sit down on a bench at the park there and say, here, here's half of my sandwich, you know. That's hospitality. Let's strategically, tactically, you know, premeditate being hospitable this year. What about this week? What about today for the day before the day is over? But it says pursue the practice of hospitality. Become a lover of hospitality. That's what I'm talking about. Become neighborly. Do you know any neighbors who aren't neighborly? Yeah. Well, you know what? We can still become friendly and be neighborly ourselves, and we don't know. Sometimes I get the rest of the story of how bad a person has been hurt in their life and once I know their story, I go, oh, wow, you poor thing. Now I know why you acted toward me the way you did. Let's not base our hospitality or our love on how somebody treats us. Let's base it upon how God treated us. He's been extremely merciful and kind to us all. Let's learn to become fond of guests and learn to become a friend to others, you know. Whoever practices hospitality, you end up entertaining God. For real. Anyhow, let's pick up at verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you, who are cruel in their attitude toward you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That's hospitality. Sharing others' joy. Weep with those who weep. Sharing others' grief. That's hospitality. Live in harmony. That's talking about agreement with one another, and do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily, what's that next word? Readily adjust. Make an adjustment. Y'all practice that, okay? But readily adjust yourself. Oh, to people. 
things and give yourselves to humble tasks. Let us adjust ourselves to them. That means you make your peanut and jelly with gluten-free bread because you're adjusting to someone else who might be allergic to wheat. But see, lots of times we want everybody else to adjust to the way I want to do it, the way I think about things. But the Bible here says, readily adjust yourself to people, things, and give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. Talking about in your own uh, pride, your own vanity, as talking about self-importance. Adjust to other people. Consider them first. And then it says in verse 17, repay no evil for evil, but take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now there's an old legend. This is not in the Bible. It's just a legend. But it communicates a real awesome truth. And this old legend says that one day Abraham was standing by his tent door when he saw an old man coming along the way, weary <clears throat> with his journey and his bleeding feet. And with true hospitality, Abraham invited the old man to share his meal and to lodge him for the night. Abraham noticed that he asked no blessing on the meal. And he inquired why he did not pray to the God of heaven. And the old man said, I am a fire worshiper, and I acknowledge no other God. At this, Abraham grew angry and sent the man from his tent. And then God called Abraham and he asked, where's the old man? God said, I have cared for him for over a hundred years, even though he has dishonored me repeatedly. Could you not endure him one night and so prove to him my love? Think about that. Where is our hospitality? Our hospitality in whatever form it's, you know, uh, demonstrated, it shows the love of God. And it might have been that, that little love that Abraham had for this man might have been the thing that brought about the change. Has God been patient with you guys? And therefore, we must be patient with others. In the book of uh, Acts, I believe it's chapter 28, it tells us about Paul was shipwrecked. They ended up on an island called Malta. And there was some barbarous people who lived there but they built a fire, you know, and they tried to reach out and help the people. And as they built this fire, uh, Paul grabbed some sticks and he threw it in on the fire and a snake bit him. And everybody's going, oh, oh he must have he been a murderer. You know, he escaped the, the terrible shipwreck, but you know what? He's getting justice. And they kept watching for him to keel over and die. But he just shook the snake off in the fire and kept on going. After a while, they said, oh, he must be a god. And um, the um, official of the community of these barbarous people invited Paul and some of the others to come into his home. I think for about three days or something, took care of their needs and all. <clears throat> Paul saw a room back there where there was a guy not doing too well, and he, he asked, he says, may I go visit that guy? And it was uh, Publius, the official leader of the community. It was his dad was sick. And Paul went back there and laid his hands on him, and God healed the man. Word got out. Everybody on the island who was sick came to Pubis' house and asked, can we talk to Paul? Guess what happened? Paul healed every one of them. Why? Hospitality had been shown, and that was his response to hospitality. Now, someone's got a need out there right now, and it, very likely it's somebody that one of us in here knows. So, Lord, we ask your blessings upon those who are in need. Even if there's not a siren blowing in the distance, we ask that you'd help those who are in need and the one who's driving these emergency vehicles. 
we ask that you would bless them and draw them unto yourself, Father, and meet all of their needs, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you all ever pray for people when you hear siren off in the distance? Awesome. We really should. And as I've heard testimonies several times when people told me, it's like, you know, I was praying, I heard that, and I found out it was one of my family members. And it, you know what? It is an awesome principle, and hopefully we pass that on to our friends and our loved ones to pray. If you were ever in a need out there, would you want people praying for you? Absolutely. So let's continue to do that uh, for one another. And um, remember, you reap the things that you show. So as those barbarous people showed hospitality, the father was completely healed as well as all the people on that island because of hospitality was uh, given. And you remember in the book of Joshua, there was a woman by the name of Rahab. And, you know, God's people were coming and checking out Jericho and, and all, and uh, the people in the city was after the spies, God's people, and to kill them. And anyhow, Rahab opened up her home. She lived in a little house in the wall around Jericho, and she showed these men hospitality. And they said, tie a scarlet rope, a cord, out your window. And then they, the people of God didn't tear the wall down. God tore the wall down. And it all fell down flat, the Bible says, except the place where she lived. And it stayed standing. And she was spared and all her family because of her show of hospitality. And you remember Martha and Mary, their brother Lazarus, who was sick? They sent word to Jesus. But by the time that Jesus got there, three days had already passed. And they got there, and, and you know, Jesus went and saw him and said, well, where's Lazarus? Because they said, oh, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. And she said, oh, where is he? He said, he was out in the cemetery, you know. So Jesus said, let's go. So he went out to the cemetery, and then Jesus told him, he said, move the stone. And everybody said, oh, no, 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 you can't do that, Lord. You know, it's a very hot, arid environment over here, and uh, we can't do it. He's been, he's been dead for three days, Lord. And, and, and the lady saw him and said, he stinketh. You know, don't open the tomb. And Jesus said, open the tomb. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And when you open the tomb, there was like a stairway that went down and deeper where there was uh, these graves down there. And... There was this commotion, and Lazarus had been like wrapped like a mummy, you know, and, and he kind of come hopping up the stairs, and then somebody came in and unwrapped him, and he was okay. A lot of Bible scholars who are much more, uh, have much more wisdom than I do had said the reason Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, is because if he had just said, come forth, everybody would have come out of the tomb. That'll happen one day. It genuinely will. But Martha and Mary had oftentimes, Jesus would pop into town with 12 disciples and they would show Jesus and his disciples hospitality, give him a place to sleep for the night, fix him a meal. And they were given to hospitality and Mary and Martha received their brother raised from the dead. I'm going to tell you, it's a God thing, showing hospitality. Even if it's just in very small ways, it's the heartbeat of Almighty God. It really is. Now, many years ago, uh, some of you know that I used to hitchhike around the countryside. After I left the first uh, Christian college that I had gone to, I spent months just hitchhiking around the countryside. I have a backpack on full of tracts and little New Testament Bibles and my guitar strapped on the back. And uh, when people would stop and go, hey, where are you going? I'd go, where are you going? Seriously, that was my... I had no plans to go anywhere particularly, and I did that for the privilege of sharing Jesus with people who picked me up. And this one guy picked me up, and he saw the canteen hanging on my backpack. He said, what you got in that canteen? You got some alcohol, something to drink? And I'm going like, just water. I'm sorry. And, you know, I really wasn't sorry, but I, that's what I had, you know. And he was a backslidden pastor. What's the chance of that? And me, I'm just... I'm just barely 20 years old, you know. And uh, we talked, and you could see he was under great 
conviction. And we were going up to the mountains. And he took me to his home, introduced me to his wife. He had a whole bunch of kids. They prepared a meal for me. I ain't nobody, you know, just a backpacker, you know, going through the community. But I'm talking to him about Jesus. And he's under great conviction, you know. And then as it got later in the evening, they invited all their neighbors. And they came around because I had a guitar. They wanted me to play something. And I had the only songs I knew were Christian songs. That's the only thing I knew, honestly. And I played some songs that my brother had written. I shared the gospel with all these people. I spent the night with them that night. Now, he took me back to a, a road where I could catch another ride the next day. And I've never seen him since. But I can't help but to believe that God probably meddled in his heart and helped him to get things right. His wife was right with God. And maybe his kids were challenged. And maybe some of the neighbors got saved. I don't know. But even though he was backslidden, he showed me hospitality. And I think God would have blessed that somehow, some way. There's so many things that God will do and wants to do. Uh, Jim and Linda Onan of Wadsworth, Illinois, they wanted an unusual house. And accordingly, they built a 7,000-square-foot pyramid. A pyramid is what they lived in, and it was covered on the outside with 24-karat gold, you know. Wouldn't you be concerned that a woodpecker might take some of that and fly away with it or something? But the house is surrounded by a moat which Onan plans to stock with sharks. I don't know if he knows what he's doing or not. I mean, that takes salt water and all that kinds of stuff. But, oh, there are. Thank you. I don't know if I'm going to go swimming in the fresh water no more. <laughs> but the newspaper account is highly symbolic. There are many people wanting to live in luxury and to live undisturbed by anyone. They may not have sharks, even freshwater ones, you know, on the premises, but they offer no invitation to others to visit them, and they make sure that they are unapproachable. How, how different is that from the picture of what we see in the Bible? The home in the Bible is for hospitality. And money is to be spent not just on luxury, but on ministry to others. I'm going to tell you something. When we serve in the area that we are passionate about, and, and, and you know you're making a difference in someone's life, life becomes worth living. When you know you're changing the world in which you live, you're an extension of Almighty God's hand. In First Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it says, The end of the world is coming soon. Is that possible? I can tell you what, we're closer to that than we ever were, that's for sure. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest, which means sincere, passionate. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. God answers prayer. And then it says, most important of all, continue to show deep love. Most important of all, continue, continue, continue. Keep on and on and on and on and on to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. Now, God's love for us doesn't cover our sin. God's love for us removes, forgives and removes our sin. But what we're to do for others is to cover their sin because the tendency of human beings is to expose people's sins. Put it in the newspaper. Put it on Facebook. You know, expose it and blare it out. Ah, look what he did. Look what she did. But the Bible says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. And then he goes on to say, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Hmm. This is true hospitality. You say, well, that, yeah, it's costly. It's risky, you know, but God's word says it. You know, there was a, a family who was entertaining the pastor and his wife. They asked him after church to come over, you know, to uh, have uh, dinner. It was a hot one, too. 
And when they got there, the, all the small talk and all, and they sat down at the table, and everything was smelling good, and, and the daddies asked his son, he said, I want you to ask the blessing. Say grace. And the little boy, six years old, he said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. So the mama says, you just say what you've heard us say. That's a dangerous statement, you know that? <laughs> so he bowed his little head, he folded his fingers there, and he said, Dear Lord, why on earth do we invite the pastor over for dinner on this hot day? Amen. <laughs> he did what Mama said, you know. Well, let me read you a verse that goes along with that. And this is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 in the uh, New King James. It just says, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Have you ever did the right thing with grumbling? Oh, how are y'all doing? It's good to see you. You know, we may all have done that at some point in time, but that's not true hospitality. We need to be a glow, and we need to love people deeply, and we need to be willing to adjust ourselves for other people. That's what the Bible says. Now, it says in verse 10 here, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve yourself. Oh, wait a minute. What does that say? Use them well, the spiritual gifts, to serve one another. Now, Susan and I uh, have dug around and we found the best spiritual gift survey. And we've used this before with some of the Connections courses. We found the best one we could find and we took it within last month. Again, you know, because even if you know your spiritual gift, it changes from time to time, you know. And we took it again. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't recognize this before, but as I'm growing and maturing, there's other things that kind of show up on my spiritual gift survey radar that I never saw before. So we put this together and are mailing it to you. If you're on our mailing list of attenders, uh, members or attenders, you'll get it mailed to you. And if you don't, for some reason, if your address is not accurate, we'll have them here next week. You can pick up one. It's just, you know, just two or three pages, and you'll just answer the questions, you know, with a, uh, a number. And uh, at the end of it, you add up all the numbers on this little bitty thing, and then it shows you what your spiritual gifts are most probably, you know. It's not 100% accurate, but it gets you really, really close to help you understand what you're gifted for, what your passion is for, and areas that you're not passionate about. But once you take this spiritual gift survey, and it's not a test, it is not a spiritual gift test. A test implies you can flunk it. This is trying to discover what your spiritual gifts are. Now, you've probably didn't figure it out by now that my spiritual gift is teaching, you know. And if, if you serve in the area where you're gifted, it's fun. I have a blast doing what I do. I think y'all know that, right? It's fun. When, when you're surfing coffee, and how many of you appreciate the coffee? Woohoo! Thank you guys who do the coffee for us, right? You know? And those guys have fun. And those who do the worship and who work with our youth, you know, when you surf in an area where you're gifted and you got passion, it's like, I get to do this, and it's so much fun, and you call it work, you know? So anyhow, this week you'll receive in the mail spiritual gift survey from Susan and I, and I ask you to take it, and then another little piece of paper, you can just transfer the numbers of where your spiritual gifts are and send it back to us. And one thing I commit to do is to pray for you, to pray that God would allow you to use your spiritual gift in your home and in your community and in your local church. Because when you're serving in an area where you're passionate, it's awesome. You're making a difference, and it is fun. It genuinely is. So it says here in verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Well, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Well, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will 
bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 says, Stay on good terms with each other, held together by love. Be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. This is just talking about your strategy. You know, hey, well, we got a spare bedroom. We got some extra food in the freezer there. We're looking for an opportunity to use it. Tactically, we're premeditating how we can serve somebody. They got, we're going to rally that and help meet that need. And if they don't know Jesus, we're not going to shove it down their throat, but we're just going to tell them how much we love them and what he's done for us, you know? Intentionally show hospitality. And he goes on to say here, be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. Why, some have extended hospitality to angels without ever knowing it. You think that's possible? Yes. Bible says it. In the King James, it talks about to entertain strangers, for thereby many have entertained angels and were unaware, didn't even know if. You may have helped an angel out somewhere along the line, and you didn't even know it. Because God sends angels are ministering spirits. The Bible says it. They're ministering spirits sent here to help us. And when you pray, God sends out angels to watch over your family and your loved ones. And they wonder why when their car spun around around circles and tumbled and tumbled and they, they, nobody was hurt. It's like, ah, oh, the angels of God. And you don't always know it. But wouldn't it be cool to entertain an angel? And you don't know until later on. Say, you were an angel? Wow, that's cool. You know, think about this. So he says, be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. And when some, why some have extended hospitality to angels without ever knowing it. Regard prisoners as if you were in prison with them. Look on victims of abuse as if what happened to them had happened to you. Love people the way you'd want them to love you when you're in a need. And I'm going to tell you the truth. There are more people who have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior in a home, sitting down at someone's uh, dining room table or maybe sitting on their sofa and having a cup of coffee on the coffee table there, there's more people who've come to know Jesus in a home than ever has come to know Jesus in sanctuaries. Hospitality is so vitally important for God to show his love to his people, whoever they are, wherever they might be, and God wants to use you. Here's one more verse I want to read to you. It's found in Luke chapter 14, verse 12. This is the message Bible. It says, and then he turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, well, don't just invite your friends and family and the rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor, but invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits. From the wrong side of the tracks, you'll be and experience a blessing they won't be able to return the favor. But the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. And you think about it. You remember in the Bible where it talks about the sheep and the goats? And Jesus tells them a little lesson there. He says... You know, when there was somebody was hungry and you fed them, somebody was thirsty and you gave them something to drink, someone was in prison and you visited, someone was sick and you, you loved them and visited and ministered to them, and Jesus said to the, the righteous, to the sheep, he said, when you've done that, because they said, well, Lord, we don't, we don't remember when you were hungry and we fed you. We don't remember when you were thirsty and, and we gave you something. We surely don't remember when you was in prison, Lord. And Jesus said, when you did it to someone else, Jesus said, you did it to me. So more important than showing hospitality to an angel, anytime you show hospitality to a living soul, Jesus said, you did it to me. And you know my daughter, Miracle, she does the super church upstairs there. She's got a little pickup truck. Imagine her driving home one night. Don't imagine it too much because I don't want it to happen, but... 
Said she had two flat tires. It's raining. It's late at night. Her battery is dead on her phone. And you see it, you recognize it, and you can go, ah, somebody else stop and help her. But how do you think I would feel when I find out that you stopped and helped my daughter? How would I feel? I'd be so thankful. Just saying, what can I do for you? You know? How does Jesus feel when you help some of his people? Jesus said, when you showed hospitality to somebody else, and it might be giving them a place to sleep for a night, or it might just get, be giving them half of your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Jesus said, you did it to me. That's awesome. That's powerful. I mean, that changes things. Well, what I'd like us to do right now is to pray. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you that I am amongst some of the most hospitable people on this earth. And I thank you that your love is taking root in our lives and our hearts. And we let it flow out and we become a glow with your love. Father, minister to the needs of those in this room. Minister to the needs of those that are watching online. Lord, we, we want to serve you. Help us discover our gifts and help us to serve in the area where we are gifted and we are passionate to make you known in this world in which we live. Now, as our heads are bowed, I would ask you to join me as we reaffirm our faith in Christ. And maybe there are some here today who've never welcomed Christ into your life, but I want to ask you to pray with us a prayer similar to what I prayed many years ago when I asked Jesus into my life. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent Jesus. I believe that Jesus died in my place, paid for my sins, and he rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart, and I open wide that door.